0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 88 of The Discussions, a podcast for players and DMs alike where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host Ryan Reader and with me as always is my good buddy Ben Buffhoffer. How are you doing tonight Ben? I am just stoked and excited and having a grand old time.
1: Uh, is it because
0: how- we both watched the season finale of The Mandalorian? It
1: is. Um, this and- is partially
0: a Star Wars show now apparently. <laughs>
1: um You know what? When I start running Spelljammer, sure, we can do
0: that. Yeah. No, I know that's I know that's like next up on your on your list of of campaigns to do. Oh yeah. So I mean, you got that Star Warsy vibe. Like that's if you want that Star Warsy vibe in Five E, Spelljammer. Yeah, that's the way to go. Or go play the actual Star Wars. One of the several star wars role-playing games there's there's those two or the whole star wars 5e conversion that we've mentioned before a Mm -hmm. few times on the show but i digress uh we have a few really fun things to talk about uh tonight beyond uh star wars definitely go check out mando season three yes Uh, So we wanted to (laughs) uh, we wanted to start off tonight talking about a brand new video that was just recently put up on the official D&D YouTube channel Mm -hmm. uh, talking all about uh, kind of previewing and giving teasers for the brand new DMs guide. That is going to be coming out in 2024 along with the new uh, player's handbook and the new uh, monster manual. Yes. yes. So the video is about 24 minutes. Uh, we're going to kind of talk through the highlights of it. And of course, we'll be linked to the show notes. If you want to go check it out uh, specifically yourself, and we'll talk a little bit about um, what we'd want to see in the new dungeon masters guide as well. Uh, ben, what did what did you think? What did you think of the the video? It kind of kind of highlighted a lot of the stuff. It kind of gave some teasers. And the
1: the 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 biggest takeaway from all of this is that um, they're they're doing something that we've actually kind of talked about before, and that is making the game a lot more accessible to first time DMs. Um, in fact, that's one of the 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 first things that they said is that you know the old DM guide it's. Uh, it's kind of crappy in when it, when it comes to organization, when it comes to what you want to, to uh, you know give a new DM, and everything looks you know just incredibly overwhelming because they, like I think they said almost exactly like oh yeah by the way uh, here's how you make your world, here's how you do governments, here's currencies, like just all this world building stuff in the first chapter or two,
0: and. You don't you don't want that there. No, you don't need that there at you don't all. Don't need that there. No. And it it was funny because they actually even admitted um back when they were doing the fifth edition stuff that basically all the or most of the time, money, and resources for their much smaller team at the time went into the players' handbook and the monster manual. Mm-hmm. They actually ad they, they they basically straight up said that the dungeon master's guide was kind of an afterthought yeah and And i mean they said they even got together after it went to print and we're just like man they started talking about like all the things we could do if we could do it over again and it's just like oof, man that's not necessarily the kind of lunch talk you want to have after you just literally just ship the the book but they had to get them all out at the same time Mm -hmm. and apparently it was very resource constrained and so something had to give and it apparently this time was basically just they they put all the effort into the the player's handbook and the the monster manual and i think if you go back and look at the three of those books objectively it does very much show
1: yeah exactly i mean they even said that they didn't even talk about like the different types of dice and what to use them for until like chapter seven or something like that and so like the biggest takeaway is they're making this new one just so much more user friendly putting the basics at the very beginning just so that you have an idea of kind of you know what you really need to start being a dm and that i think is going to be the biggest strength uh just coming right into this um and just the, another just tiny takeaway too is that they basically said this is a fifth edition book so even though yes. it's coming out it made it, it it's very still clear fifth edition and uh, that really kind of answers some of our questions about one D and D that's coming out and you know, how they're really going to be able to incorporate all the old stuff with the new stuff. It's still going to be essentially the same system with, you know, just tweaks here and there and um, some things that have been released in other uh, books like uh, Tasha's and Xanathar's, you know, like different systems and stuff that's really should pull be that in, into the core. Exactly. Really should be in yep. the, the DM's guide. And I am so excited. And I mean, it, there's a lot of different things that we need to, that we can talk about here, but I'm just excited overall because it seems like this is the, the DMG that you and I have been kind of talking about and hoping for, for whatever the next iteration is going to be.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think they even mentioned, and this was from information from the, uh, the d ds Uh, creator summit that happened a little bit ago. We talked about it some on the last episode is there's actually going to be a conversion guide in these new books for terms or whatever. that If you are coming from the older books, Mm -hmm. how to treat them or what the equivalent is or whatever in the newer books. So I think that'll be good, but I really liked what they were talking about as far as, streamlining it um, Mm -hmm. making it more accessible making it more new DM friendly Uh, one of the things they said is it will be organized in such a way that uh, it will have the natural order of information new DMs need just straight off the bat so that's that's going to be a really huge thing opening up this dungeon master's guide And chapter one is what is a DM? Like, what are the DM's <laughs> tools? Like, all, all all the sorts of things that you need to know to run the game itself and not necessarily world building. Like, that's going to be, like, mid mid to end of the book this time mm-hmm. because you don't need to know how to world build right off the bat. They even talked about uh, there's going to be basically a starter adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, inside the dungeon master's guide and they talked about how they wanted to do a lot more of the, uh, show, not tell Mm -hmm. types of specifics, examples within the book so that they can go instead of just like describing, we're going to actually give you a scenario of what this looks like so that you can extrapolate from there instead of having to just try and guess Based on a description. Mm-hmm,
1: exactly. And we, we've seen some, uh, some, some, yeah, something similar to that. And in some of the, the re- more recently released books as well, where, you know, if they're talking about some sort of, um, you know, new, new thing, new, um, I don't know, like combat guide or something like that. They'll actually walk through like the different steps of what's going to be happening. Like, uh, Jim and Sally roll initiative. This means that, you know, they, are seeing who goes first in the battle order. And then they kind of play out turns and stuff. And then like having all that kind of there to show you how everything works with that adventure on top of it, giving you a chance to kind of go through and, and run something just right away is really what the DMG has been needing for the longest time. So, I mean, overall it is a step in just the right direction for this. And I gotta say, I'm, I'm definitely buying it because I know I'm not the best DM. I never will be, but you know what? There's always something I can learn from new information like this. And with how much they're focusing on, uh, you know, new DMS as well as uh, just overall information and how they're, they're presenting it. I really think that this is definitely just a big win for everybody.
0: Yeah. They want to, they want to avoid the current scenarios where people go, Oh, that's in the DMG, yeah. I like. I've I've had I've experienced that so many times when I've seen somebody, some people talk about stuff, and they're just like, "Oh, that's in the DMG," and I was like, "Really? Where? What?" It's like <laughs> like I, all these optional rules or or whatever that are just buried like somewhere because randomly in there. Because I've probably read most of the DMG at this point. But again, it's so it's so poorly organized that it, it's very easy to miss miss mm-hmm. things that are in there. Very fun things. There's a lot of actually really good stuff in there, but it is not in there in such a way that it is easily accessible. Exactly. Um, And so I think I think overall it'll be very good. Um, He doesn't talk about all the specifics of the new things in there. I would. Really like to see, personally, I would like to see more rules and examples and stuff for traveling. I would like to see more rules and examples and stuff for economy and magic item pricing uh, mm-hmm. that is more specific beyond uh, just the rules in like Xanathars. They 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 helped a little bit. Uh, at the very least, it sounds like they're going to pull a lot of the stuff from Xanathars and Toshas in yeah, the magic to baseline yeah so they they talked about there's going to be a lot more common magic items mm-hmm. that are going to be included in the the dungeon Master's guide which i think is great because those are super fun things especially early on to just kind of give your party and have them have little fun toys to play with uh but yeah so uh traveling for sure more economy stuff, more magic item type pricing, uh, and exploration. I would mm-hmm. love to see a far larger section, far more description, far more, uh, rules or guidelines, whatever, whatever you want to call them, uh, around run exploration and how, mm-hmm. how that type of stuff works. They, I, I believe it was Tasha's that had a really good, um, a really good section on like environmental hazards and different, different environments and stuff like that. So integrating those and traveling into that, uh, more puzzle or trap type things, uh, built into the baseline book, uh, that, that type of stuff, uh, beyond just the advice for, for DMS for how to run, how to run the game, uh, learning learning to improvise uh that could be a, a whole section on <laughs> uh, helpful advice for the the new dms because Im- improvisation is a huge huge part of this game because mm-hmm. you you cannot prepare for everything uh yeah, in so fact, knowing no- and learning how to do that is is big
1: yeah. In fact, building off of that, I would like to see a section uh, where they talk about, you know, like social interactions and challenges and stuff, not just, you know, combat encounters, but social encounters, um, you know, talking about. I would love to
0: see more context around.
1: those. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, just shopkeepers uh, speaking with D de- or not D. Well, maybe deities. Who knows how far they'll go into this. But like, you know, um, you know, commoners versus nobles versus like, you know, actual rulers and, and just different things like that. Um you know uh, how, to, how to incorporate a bar fight. I don't know, you know, like just kind of give, giving um uh NPCs like characterization and stuff, you know, having tips on that and giving people just, you know, kind of ideas on how to actually try to react more naturally. You know, a, a lot of that, like you said, goes along with the improv, but again, it just builds out and creates the world in very simple ways that, you know, a new DM might not really be thinking about.
0: Yeah. No, I, it, it, I, I'm looking forward to hearing more. They, they talked about, um, they, <laughs> there's a, a like one chapter that he wanted to keep us a, a surprise or secret that <laughs> yep. kind of, uh, it sounded like there's going to actually be like a, like a handout or a, a map or a fold out something or other that's going to be in the book, which is, which is a new thing. So that's kind of interesting. Overall though, I, I, I can't wait to hear more, but I very much liked the direction Mm -hmm. that it sounded like they were taking it in. And it felt like it's, it's long overdue. Uh, 10 years. In fact. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Literally 10 years this year. That's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's going to be the 50th, 50th anniversary of D and D as a whole, which is uh, pretty wild. Honestly, if you, if you think about it, but, yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing more. Uh, they also talked a little bit about the new monster manual that is coming in 2024 mm-hmm. as well. Uh, they said it is getting bigger. Uh, it, in fact, they said it may be the biggest monster book they've ever released, which is, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Uh, a lot of their uh, effort and time is going into filling gaps that exist. And I know I've made a little note for myself that said, please, more Celestials.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Or you can just
0: go get the uh, shout out that we talked about, uh, the Heavenly Handbook, uh, so that you can get some more Celestials for yourself. But more official Celestials, besides like the four or five that exist, would be uh, really nice. I I feel like that is a very large gap. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also talked about uh, better grouping and organizing of uh monsters to make it easier to use and play uh to to find them just within the book and make them more likely make more sense for the categorization i saw Alyssa visher who uh we had on a, a little a few months ago now uh had a great thread out on twitter today talking about how that was great but she would also like to see them do stuff like these creatures go well together. Yeah. Different like groupings. Maybe the mind flayer and the intellect devourer, even if they're not in the same section or something, these creatures are usually found together. And I was like, that that would be a wonderful index or table of like, here's groupings of mm-hmm. monsters that you might normally find together. So if you're trying to do an encounter for a certain area or for a certain type of thing, you can go just check that and go, oh, okay. Okay. I want to use this creature, and these creatures are usually found near or around this one.
1: Yeah, add environments in there as well. Um, Oh, what Uh, mind flares, intellect devours, and uh, things like that are kind of found in the underdark a whole bunch. Okay, great. That that's that's fun. I like that. Um, Look over here in these these uh, um, foresty areas. That's where like a lot of goblins and bugbears are. Okay, cool. That that's awesome. We can do that. Um, You know, just. Having that sort of of ideal situation where you're able to just kind of look in one spot and really get a whole lot of information seems to be, you know, what they're kind of leaning towards. And it's so much easier than it is now, which is undead. okay. let's look for undead things. Okay, here's a whole bunch of random stuff that's found all over the place that has really nothing to do with each other. Okay, cool. Uh, demons. Okay. Um, this one is entirely native to this plane. This one is actually on the material plane. This one's over here. They'll never interact, but you know, whatever they're, they're demons. So let's get them to work. And you know, it's, it it works out pretty well that way.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think, I think that will be a a huge boon, uh, for cohesiveness Mm -hmm. and just, uh, extra ways to categorize, things uh, and have helpful descriptors and helpful groupings will be will be really big. Yes. They also talked about uh, making monsters easier to use and play and be more fun at the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to be changing any CRs, but they want to make sure that they're actually hitting the intended difficulty, uh, especially at higher CRs, um, which as any dm who's been around for a little while knows uh once you get out of the first few crs uh balance is just kind of all over the place yeah you place. guess and, and you usually guess it's on the week the weekend like especially past like level 5 or 6 whatever it let's say D beyond encounter builder like a deadly encounter will most likely be just a standard encounter Mm -hmm. it won't actually be deadly most of the time uh and that's something you find out uh very quickly as you dm and as it gets it gets the gap gets much bigger the higher you go and deadly becomes really not deadly (laughs) at all basically you add
1: one magic item and the CR like uh equation is thrown out the window like at that point it's yeah just it's gone Throw in, uh, everybody has a plus one weapon and deadly is maybe kind of hard, you know, add another magic item in there and yeah, it's, it's just going to be your standard.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, they, they are probably, it seems like they'll probably be leaning a little more towards, the monster design in Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. They they actually have said that multiple times, like that's a little bit of a preview of where they're wanting to go with monster design. I would also implore them to look at the monsters that MCDM is making Mm -hmm. and do them like that. Because by God, they have some of, if not the best monster design in 5e, period. And I'm talking about third parties and first party (laughs) when like they, they are just their monster design is just so much fun, both to play and play against. And as a DM gives you so much flavor and so much cool stuff to do. I, I I cannot sing their praises enough. uh, And I hope we see more official monsters go that direction versus some of the, the older stuff that they've done.
1: Yeah. And you know, I will say that uh, the, the, uh, the multiverse monster book, I've actually enjoyed the changes that have come through that way.
0: It is definitely a step up.
1: Yes. So more of that. And then again, if they take another step or two up, I think that's, I mean, it, it's really, again, what we're going for. And, you know, wizard seems to be listening to a lot of the, the feedback that they've been getting. And so you know, once this kind of comes out into play testing, I think that, you know, again, do those those surveys, make your voice heard. They're listening to things, and the game has just been improving a whole lot going forward from what we've seen. And I mean, they're, they're really listening, considering there's been some things that we've hated. And we've let them know. And they're like, oh, yes, that's not going to work. And I'm not even talking about the OGL. I'm talking about like actual like mechanics and stuff in game. So,
0: yeah, yeah. The UA stuff for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I like you said, I really I really hope that they they aim more towards Toma and beyond. I think there's a ton of cool design space that a lot of third parties have explored that haven't really been super explored in the, the first party. Monsters and such. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of a lot of room to bring those mon- that monster design up uh, multiple levels. Even definitely uh, they did talk about too, uh specifically uh, higher CR monsters and uh, the intended difficulty of them being way off and that they know there's a lot of gaps for monsters at higher CRs, and they're going to be working on filling those. And I and, and they didn't come out and say it right up, but my hope is that that means that there is going to be more support for higher level play, that tier three, mm-hmm. tier four play, this time around with this 2024 revamp 5E 2.0. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever weirdness uh you you want to you want to call it on the side. I know they're they're sticking with 5e but you know whatever. Uh I'm hoping that this time around we'll see more tier 3 and tier 4 supported officially. I know there's a lot of third parties that do a great job supporting tier 3 and tier 4 play, but it has been for the most part pretty dang lacking from yeah. a first party perspective. So I would love to see them push that more and more officially support it because there's a lot, a lot of fun to be had in that tier three and tier four play as someone who is both played it and DM'd it. Uh, it is incredibly fun. And especially if from a DMG perspective, you're training your DMs better. You're setting them up for success better. You're giving them better encounter building guidelines, mm-hmm. which is also something they have mentioned, that the the encounter building guidelines are gonna be getting an overhaul along with uh, the monsters and such. I think that will set DMs up who want to, or who are offered tier three or four content, set them up for success a lot more so than we currently have from an officially first party supported exactly
1: with that support and with them, you know, kind of putting a little bit more of a focus on it as well. It really gives us a chance to really go the distance and actually hit that level 20. And with, you know, um, fifth edition being out as long as it has with the brand and, and so many different people actually playing, you know, the numbers are just huge they really need to have that content out there so that people can actually experience the whole breadth of it. And I think that they're taking steps in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think it's, it's going to be, uh, they, they have at least the opportunity. They're setting themselves up to have the opportunity to really move D D to the next level. We've had 10 years of experience as players, or DMs with this edition. Now, of course, a lot of new people will be joining. The D&D movie has probably brought new people to the table as well. But I think from a maturity standpoint, especially since they are sticking with five, five the 5e moniker, the DM base, the existing DM base, and the existing player base are more mature. I think they are ready for better designed higher tier content. Yeah.
1: I just I want everyone
0: so. to experience it because it's really <laughs> cool. Lots of lots of cool stuff at that at that level. So um yeah. so that that was the the main chunk of the the video. They talked a little bit about uh, ancillary stuff as well. Again we'll have it linked in the show notes on discussionscom if you want to watch it. Uh, but we will be keeping our eyes peeled for more videos, uh, more descriptors. Hopefully they will be play testing some of it. will and we'll see some DMG Unearth Arcana. Uh, we'll see some DMG monster manual or some Unearth Arcana monster manual stuff. I think they have talked about doing that uh because those are things that were not playtested originally yeah. in the in the original five E. Playtest
1: like except for I think Acquisitions Incorporated did a little bit <laughs> at least publicly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm hoping I'm hoping they use use this time and use uh, use the extra resources, the bigger teams they have now to put some of this stuff out and get feedback on it while it's still in the design stage mm-hmm. and it is still add toable or changeable. Yes. All right, so with that out of the way, um, definitely check that out. We'll be keeping our eye on the future stuff uh, as 2024 gets closer. Uh, But we also wanted to touch on a secondary topic in this episode. And it's one, uh, we've been having a few discussions about it. We've had several questions on it from Mm -hmm. other people actually. And we were just like, well, we've we've covered uh, player death or not player death player character, character death, death. <laughs> player character death Hopefully there's no player death. No, they, uh, we've covered we, yeah, when we talked character about, death.
1: When we talked about that episode, we never really specified player character death often. It was always player death. And some friends of mine who listen, they're like, I really hope you don't have players dying on you as much as it's yeah. like. <laughs> So we will we will try to always remember going forward that it's player oh, character
0: death. Or just character death. Yes, yes. Uh <laughs> um so yeah, we've we've talked about character death before. Um, But we wanted to kind of talk a little bit about what comes next. Mm -hmm. Um, When after that character dies and that player wants to stick around, how to introduce new player characters, especially uh, to a mature campaign that has been running for a while. Uh, And then even as an extension of that, how to add a new player to the party. Again, especially if the campaign has been going for a while, because there are a lot of things to consider. There are a lot of good things that can come from it, but there are a lot of pitfalls along the way that can uh, really shake up a campaign for better or worse. So we wanted to, we wanted to start, of, We wanted to talk about that a little bit because it's not something we've talked about before, and it's something that uh, a lot of campaigns will experience, uh, one or the other or both, at least uh, once or more during their their playtime.
1: And, of course, we are speaking more uh, uh campaigns that are more like kind of RP heavy. Um, you know, there are definitely plenty of campaigns out there where the goal is, you know, we're trying to just bust through this dungeon. Oh, my character died. OK, here's my new character sheet. And the, the party just realizes, oh, Joe from the adventuring guilds here with us. Okay, cool. And then they just continue forward. You know, n- n- not that big a deal. Um, there are those types of games. That's perfectly fine if that's what you want to do. And that's how you play your game. We are not judging you. We are not saying you're playing wrong. Go for it. What we're looking at is, again, something that's more, you know, RP-based. Something that um, where if a player character does leave or a player character dies or something like that, it's going to really impact them. And you want to have some sort of storytelling to get a new character in with the party. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So very big difference here. So again, just go with us on this one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there, there can be a lot of reasons a player may want to bring a new character to the table. Uh, The obvious one of course is, character death if a a player character dies and they want to continue playing with the party most of the rest of the party survived uh and they want to continue their story uh there's no resurrection or their character just hit uh, a a good point and doesn't necessarily feel the need to come back uh or you know the job's done type (laughs) type thing um The lower the level, the newer the campaign, the easier it usually is to introduce a new character. Mm -hmm. The longer a campaign has been going, the higher the level a campaign is, the trickier it gets to introduce a new character, especially once you get up into the really high levels, because by then, most likely... Not necessarily always, depending on the world you're doing, but especially if you're doing a, a module or just like a, a a fairly common homebrew type system. Once the characters get fairly high, there's not gonna be a plethora of other characters that are at that power level.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is this is heroic fantasy, which means the player characters are in essence superheroes. And there's not necessarily a ton of superheroes, especially superheroes at that caliber. So you have to be, you have to be very, you have to be very careful because even if the player is the same, depending on the type of character they introduce or want to introduce and the personality of that character it can have a huge impact on party dynamics. Especially if you're in a very role-play heavy group, it can be very hard to have a good enough reason for this party that has been together for so long to want to bring someone else in, to trust them, to integrate them. Even if it's the same person playing them, it's not the same character and the characters are the ones who have had the experiences. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who have. uh, They're the ones who have been experiencing the story, who have had those moments together that have forged them together into a group, which is why. Lower levels, you know, that person died. Gosh, that sucks. Uh, But we met Bob at the tavern. He seems pretty cool. He's he got can a come sword. with us. Yeah, he's got a sword. He can come with us. We're just we're just doing this bounty or we're just doing this whatever. So one of the things that you can do. And this is this is kind of just like a we, we've talked a little bit about this, the starting off and helping group cohesion. Uh, so all the characters can have a shared experience or a shared goal or a shared organization. Uh, to help you get those characters together in the first place. Sometimes you can pull on those strings to introduce the new player character. So say for for mine specifically, uh, one of my campaigns specifically, uh, is the, the entire basis of it was a mercenary guild. Like these people are from a mercenary guild. If a player character dies, or if a player wants to play something else and a party member leaves and a new one is brought in, it's a fairly easy in. The mercenary guild is swapping around recruits. They Mm -hmm. are giving you a new person because you need a certain amount of people to really ensure that the job can get done. And then from there, the party can have those experiences and learn to get along and learn to like each other. But there's a good reason for that character to be there. Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly. And another good way too is if you have a relative, you know, bring a relative from your backstory into the game, Um, whether it is, you know, younger cousin, um, father, daughter, what, you know, what relatives are. I don't need to list off all the different familial connections you can have. But it automatically ties them to at least one person in the group already. And it's just a very simple way of kind of bringing someone in being like, Hey, this is my brother, Daryl. He's going to be hanging out with us for a while. Uh, Apparently uh, dad passed and uh, he needs a place to go. And I'm all the family he's got left. Uh, Don't worry. His sword is steady and his faith is true because maybe he's a paladin. I don't know. Um, But you know, any sort of like just small connection that you can have there works really well too. You know, it could be um, possibly like a, a, say an, an NPC that someone uh, you know, has in their backstory, a, a friend of theirs that they've known since they were growing up or whatever. Uh, maybe it was something that someone that the, the DM was playing but they kind of want to, you know, explore that character more and want to bring them into the folds and, you know, have one of the player characters take over and uh, go on the adventuring party with the group. You know, again, you have that small tie where you can just kind of bring someone in. You know, that's like the I know a guy to the total next level because you literally know the
0: guy and he's in the party now and yeah.
1: uh, you're venturing together. And,
0: and you have that relationship right off the bat specifically to one, maybe more, more characters, but then that will automatically help make the rest of the party care about Mm -hmm. that character more because that character is related to someone they really care about.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, Another thing is, you know, if if they are on a mission or some sort of job or whatever, and they need more help, hire themselves a mercenary. Even if they're not part of a, a giant group, you can always, you know, get hired help to kind of come along with you you know, maybe it fits with uh, a new rogue that someone wants to play, you know, they're just in it for the money. And then of course it turns out that the real adventure was friendship, you you know, (laughs) like that's kind of the goal after, you know, uh, sometimes to really kind of bring them into the fold of everything. Um, another great thing is just maybe just a random chance encounter, you know, you're kind of going through, uh, traveling through the woods. And suddenly you stumble upon, a village that's been attacked and there's another adventurer who came across coming the other way on the road and you're working together to kind of avenge them.
0: Yeah. uh, There's, there's a lot of really great ways that you can do stuff like that. I've, I've definitely been in campaigns before where a player has swapped characters and we have stumbled across them doing the same thing that we are out to do. Because that's an instant connection point. And it gives you a good excuse to put them together for at least that period of time and then hopefully grow the relationship from there.
1: Exactly. And if you're dealing with something that's, um, excuse me, I don't know what's going on with me. If you're dealing with something where it's a lot farther into the campaign and you're going up against the big bad. Why hadn't the big bad evil guy done something else to another group of adventurers? Maybe it had killed their entire party. You know, who knows? Maybe you aren't the only adventuring group that's actually in the world doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Super simple to be all of a sudden, I vow my vengeance on Vlad the tickler. I don't know why it doesn't sound very scary, but he's a scary dude. He goes around and and, not to be confused (laughs) with his much less worse brother, Vlad the Impaler. No, because that's a real dude. We don't talk about real guys in campaigns.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, we could, but anyways. (laughs) So yeah, you know, it's just one of those things where wiped out of their whole party, they're looking for revenge. You know, revenge is a very strong motivator in a lot of cases, especially when you're going up against evil. Works out
0: pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you you just gotta, you have to find the connection points when you're, especially when you're, when you're bringing in, when you're bringing in a new player character, you've got to find the connection points because in most cases, especially if you've been playing for a while as a party, you know that the player themselves meshes and fits with the party. So it's more integrating their new idea of a character in with it. And and honestly, that might be something that as a party, you kind of discuss Uh, the player who's switching characters or the player whose character dies goes, "Okay, I'm thinking about doing this and you don't necessarily have to reveal everything but i think there's there is a little bit of um there's a little bit of not wanting to talk about a character at all to the to the detriment mm-hmm. of of the game uh because you want to hide so much stuff mm-hmm. where i think a lot of that a lot of that kind of goes into the territory of metagaming. And if you have a good group and a group that you trust, then you can go, you can give a little more information and not necessarily have to have this total surprise thing. Sometimes it works out. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing in every situation, but sometimes it can be to your advantage to go, this is the character I'm thinking of playing. And get a little, and get some feedback. Like especially on like personality type or um, just getting soliciting feedback from your other group members for what might work well Mm -hmm. with the other characters as you're designing, or if you have an idea that's not fully fleshed out, working with the other players can help because that could also help that party cohesion when you bring that new character in as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, And that being said, it is also up to the other characters to understand that this new player character, um, you want them to be in the group. So you have to bend. And even if like you don't trust them at first or you don't like them at first or something like that, that's fine. You you do have to you know kind of play your part and let them in. Otherwise, you're just a jerk. Really, I mean that's kind of what it comes down to. It's like, oh, Ryan, you have a new character they want to play. Great. I don't want them in this group. Get out of here. It's like, no, you don't do that. It's like, again, when you're at the table, especially when trust is involved, all the, everybody in the group could hate this new character because, I mean, gosh, look at Terry Darrington I mean, hands down, was not well liked, and then turned into a integral member of the team. You know, it's one of those things where the players knew, hey, if we want Sam to continue to play with us, we have to accept this character. So they did. And again, it turned out to being some of the best storytelling in that uh, arc.
0: I, I, I think that that is a perfect example you brought up, because I think that is a very, very public, very uh, popular uh Great example for how to bring in a new character and as the rest of the party, even if the party has misgivings, even if the party does not completely mesh for a little while, uh, it's a party that then it did not like kick him out because they know this is still Sam we We played with Sam for forever. We want Sam playing. Mm-hmm. And so, but it may take a little bit for our characters to warm up, but our characters are also not outright hostile and pushing, pushing this person away either, which there's a fine line between playing your character to, I'm not just going to let you in right away to like, you're not wanted.
1: Yeah, exactly. You have to be
0: careful about that.
1: Yeah. Um I had something kind of similar in my campaign actually. Um had a player who wasn't as happy with his his character choice after a while and wanted to switch it up. So um, you know, we kind of talked about it. I'm like, okay, well, I've got an idea on how we can kind of bring him out, bring a new character in. And uh it turned out being really hard on some people because you know he ended up getting into a battle off by himself dying they were successful with the resurrection of it but he still left the party because of um he was basically cleansed of his warlock patron at that point so he didn't have any powers he had nothing to contribute so he still left the group new person came in um who was actually an affiliate uh an, an old adventuring partner of the their like favorite npc so, you know, again, we had the the hey, I know someone who's going to be coming in, who's going to be uh, helping you research the stuff that you're working on. He joined the group. It worked out. And, you know, we, we still had the same kind of issue where it's like, I don't like this guy, but he's with us because he has to be right now. And then it turned out that they ended up, you know, growing to like him mostly um, <laughs> as time went on. So, you know, I
0: mean, there's there's always sometimes that that. Always sometimes there's there's (laughs) there's many times those little like things that a character might get on a nerve Mm -hmm. uh, of another character or there might be a friendly rivalry or certain things that that rub one character the wrong way. But overall, it's a good relationship. Yeah, I mean, even if they have their moments,
1: adventuring parties really end up being like found family kind of things someone could irritate you till the end of the earth, but you will die for them because they are part of that family. And this is just kind of what it comes down to is bringing someone new into that adventuring family. And again, give it some time, get to know them, but, uh, you know, be open to it and
0: you can have a new friend. Yeah. And speaking of new friend, Let's talk about the other scenario. The scenario where you have your adventuring party and your characters. And not only does a new character come in, but a new player comes in. Mm-hmm. And this, I think, is is much more delicate yes. than a current player switching characters. Because bringing a whole new player in can vastly change party dynamics uh you can have it it can vastly change the way you interact as players depending on that person's personality and play style um and so i am i'm am usually incredibly I don't know. I don't know if "leery" is the right word. I am incredibly careful mm-hmm. about adding a new player to an existing campaign, especially if the the party and the of that existing campaign have been together for quite a while. Yeah. It can be done. I have done it, and it it can be done successfully. Uh, I think, uh, personally just just to start at the beginning i think it's something that you as a dm should not do off the cuff i i am very uh very anti going to a session one night and then saying hey this new person's gonna join us i don't i don't like that Mm -hmm. i mean i'm sure and if you want to do that that's fine but as as a DM, I personally do not recommend doing something like that. Uh, I would much rather. If I'm going to add or I want to add a new person. I will sit down with my group and go, hey. We have an open slot or a. Uh, I think I could. We could handle one more person. I think this person would add to the game, or be a benefit to the party, or would uh, really up our RP game or something. And would be would be a great contributor. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And get their feedback because sometimes the players, yeah, that's that sounds cool, or I trust you enough to to know who would. What kind of person would fit with us? Sure, that's that's fine, but they may be like, oh, man, we really have a good thing going right now. I would hate to mess up this dynamic, or we're already like level ten plus. It'd be really hard to to pull in a new person, um, or in, and we or we're in the middle of uh, these very personal arcs that we're going through right now. Mm-hmm. And so you need to, as a DM, you should take that feedback into consideration when you're considering adding a new person or not. Um, one other thing you could potentially do is do a trial run, have a person guest without, um, without letting it, without, without, Uh, promising a spot basically say, Hey, I think you might enjoy this or Hey party. I think this person might be cool. How about they come in and guest for a little bit or are this person is going to be guesting for the next, next few weeks and, you know, see how things go from there. If things click, if the people click, if the party clicks with this new guest character, or this NPC that is now being run by this person. Great. That's a really good indicator. And if it doesn't go well, then you're not on the hook (laughs) to have a very awkward conversation or potentially avoid uh, a lot of inner party drama. Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly. And you know, I can speak from experience on being both sides of this. so I had my campaign going and the pandemic hit and I wasn't really able to, you know, see my sister a whole bunch. So I kind of talked to the group cause we were at that point we were playing, I think every week because, you know, I, I didn't have any, anything else to do. Um, so I, I talked to the group and said, Hey, you know, would you be okay if I invite my sister into play? And, you know, we kind of all talked about it and everybody seemed, you know, all gung ho basically giving me the more, the merrier. Cause Um, you know, a couple of them had met her before. So they, you know, kind of knew. Um, but, uh, for the people who didn't, it's like, okay, well, new person going to be kind of wary about it. We're going to see what happens. And, uh, we brought her in and I mean, everybody loves her. She, she's having a blast. Everybody's having a blast. So it it worked out really well. But again, I did talk to everybody beforehand because I don't want to just randomly bring someone in because as a player, I don't want to be just randomly surprised of new person, you know, like, Kind of an introvert. I'm not exactly the 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 biggest outgoing person in in the world. You know, if I'm put in a situation where I have to talk to people or whatever, um, you know, I'll I'll do it. I'll talk about almost anything, but I might not be comfortable with that situation. So, again, taking the they're talking to your players, making sure everybody's okay with it, everybody's good with it. It it was very important to me to make sure that that worked, and in that case, worked incredibly well. Now, being someone who was brought in. As an, a new player to something, um, if you ever listen to Plus Five to Hit, I wasn't there from the start, and I was brought in as a guest, and like I, I don't know if it was the idea of like hey he'd be great to have let's see if he works first I I don't know if that's what you guys had planned beforehand or not whatever don't care because I'm having a blast now, but I was brought on as a guest you know we did a couple sessions and I I had a ton of fun with it you guys seemed to as well and um and then when we switched to um, you guys are going back to the the normal campaign. You guys asked me to stick around, and I'm like, great. I want a different character though, because I made that character specifically as kind of a foil to one of the other characters in there to and to be an you know arrogant jerk. And I'm like, I don't want to play this in an entire campaign because I, I can't do that. So then switch characters around, and new character fit in pretty well, and you know we had fun with that, and it's been you know going great ever since but again it was one of those things where i was kind of nervous to jump in because again it's an established group you guys were playing for quite a while but i was able to come in kind of guest and and be there for a bit and i think it's worked out okay because well we're still playing the game and it's a lot we're of still, yeah
0: they're still going yeah we are still going so yeah it's it, i think it, it at the end of the day it's make sure you talk to your group mm-hmm. um if it's if you have a lot of if you have a lot of group history and group trust uh it's much easier to just bring a person in especially if you know the person well yes uh if you don't know the person as well uh, or your group has not been together as long or it's a say uh versus something like if this is a group of friends we've known all known know each other for years versus this is a group I Found or put together at my friendly local game store Mm -hmm. right that's that's going there's there's a big big difference between the trust level and between just the the history and the the knowledge um so i'd be much more uh wary to bring new people in to a friendly local game store group without a trial or without a, like a guest type spot than I would be if all the people are just like, yeah, that dude's our buddy. We've all known him for 10 years. We've all known her for 10 years. Yeah. Have her join exactly. or it's my sister <laughs> <laughs> type, type thing. Yeah. Everybody loves Ben. Everybody loves Ben's sister. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's bring her in. Let's just, uh let's just do it. The more the merrier. So, um, uh, again, it all comes down. It's our, it's our kind of our key theme, communication, communication, Mm. communication.
1: One, one tiny little caveat. Um, if you are a new player coming in, uh, don't just randomly be, Oh, I'm so-and-so sister or brother. Just talk to them first and make sure they're cool with it. (laughs) because again, all the things that we've kind of talked about again, it, it comes down to, if you're that new player, don't just assume that, you know, you're part of the same Family or guilt or whatever, you know, again, work with the DM, which I mean, if, if the DM is handling things correctly, they're going to be able to work with you to to make sure that your character does
0: fit when you do start playing. Yeah. And. Uh, I think that's that's pretty much all I've got yeah. on that topic. It's the, it. there's a lot of a lot to think about, but it can also be extremely rewarding.
1: Very much so. Uh,
0: and can, can really add a lot of depth to your story and to your campaign in general.
1: Yeah, and it, it, going back to just a player changing from one character to another, especially if they're unhappy with who they were playing with all, originally, it's the best way to do it. Because you want everybody to be happy with what they're
0: playing. Yeah, you want everyone way. to be having fun. Exactly. Yep. yep. Okay, so... As always, before uh, we kind of start wrapping the episode up, I wanted to give a community content shout out, and this one's weird because the show is named Ian <laughs> Discussions," but we talk a lot about tabletop RPGs, and we will continue to branch out and talk to other people, and we will talk about other games sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done that. We've done that in the past, and we will continue to do that in the future. Though uh D D and especially 5e will always have a wonderful center core place in our hearts and our show. Uh but I wanted to shout out so uh Ann Gregerson, who has done a bunch of amazing 5e supplements, like monster uh monster loot supplements, uh the bloody and bruised supplements. We've talked about them before on the on the show. Uh She is branching out into Pathfinder 2E and is doing a huge uh, Kickstarter right now called the Harvest Companion Compendium Volume 1 for Pathfinder 2E custom loot for official Pathfinder monsters. And so I am almost positive there are listeners who play other tabletop RPGs. And I would be very surprised if there were not listeners who also play Pathfinder because Pathfinder has its own strengths and such that can be extremely fun to play mm-hmm. uh, in ways that 5e might not be. Uh, it's, it's very much just what is your style? What is your preference? And so if you do play Pathfinder uh, and does a ton of incredible supplements. Uh, so this one I am sure will be no different. The Kickstarter is going on right now. We will have the link in the show notes. If you want to check it out.
1: This is really cool.
0: Sorry. I'm just looking at the Kickstarter <laughs> right now. Don't mind. And, me. and honestly, uh, we'll probably link uh, to the DMS guild version of her shop as well because uh she has a ton of 5e books that are very similar to this like the monster extra monster loot and such from all the different books and like i said the bloody and bruise series which is basically uh making monsters more interesting to play there was a condition i like 4e maybe uh where a monster could become bloodied basically monster hit 50% health and got some new stuff they can do. It's kind of like uh the mythic thing in 5e when they added the the mythic stuff. When a monster hits certain health, they hit their mythic thing and they can do mythic actions and that sort of thing. So if you we will have links to that in the show notes at D&Discussions.com if you want to check those out. Yeah. Neat. Really neat. Yeah. Some
1: yeah. Cool stuff. A lot of
0: cool stuff. A lot of cool stuff. Um, and then finally, as always uh before we wrap up the episode, we usually talk a little bit about what we've been doing in our games. Ben I know you were very sad because last week we, we <laughs> last said two we sessions had, no, yeah, last the last like two episodes yeah episodes it has been it had been a while since you got gotten to play but I know for a fact that you finally got to play so. Yes. Tell us, tell us what happened. Okay, so just time. just to
1: recap, we left off with them botching a plane shift spell to a random plane. And they landed to a place everything was metal. They didn't know what was going on. There were these like kind of spheres and and boxes, like metal boxes, just kind of littered around the whole uh, uh, horizon and you know just area around them. And one of them stood up and said, "Hey, you're you're kind of weird looking." So turns out that they had a plane shifted to Mechanus and I'm like, okay, this is going to be wildly bizarre and very different from anything that they're working or that they've ever done before. So if you don't know, Mechanus is is one of the outer planes and it's basically a, a whole series of like infant, like cogs, like that's what you're living on and everything's kind of ticking and moving and like everything's like mechanical and stuff. And it was kind of cool. So I I had an idea of what I wanted to do originally. And it turns out that like up until like two days, three days or so before we were going to play, it just didn't sit right with me the whole time. So then finally like two or three days before I'm like, okay, I need to completely redesign everything that's going to happen here. So I did that and I, I enjoyed much more of what we were working on because it it, it felt like if they're in the plane of mechanists, this seems more like what's going to happen. So basically the the one little um, uh, monodrome that stood up and talked to them, it happened to be just a rogue monodrome. And uh, there was an issue where Primus, the old Primus had you know expired and it was time for a new one. Which, by the way, Primus is the being that runs the entire thing. Basically, Mechanus is (laughs) think of like a a hive mind with all the different like levels of of, uh, robot drones that they have and stuff. Where um, like it goes monodrone, uh, duodrone, all the way up to uh, pentadrone. So basically, you know, five. And as they get higher in their progression, they become smarter and they're you know leaders of like the casts below them. So. Here's rogue little monodrome primus is down. Everything is shut off and he sees my characters, looks at them and looks at the bar and says, you're unbalanced because again, mechanist is all about balance, you know, balancing the equation. So they didn't really know what was going on with that, but he's basically saying, come to primus primus will fix. So after what I felt was a little too much like, Oh, I'm not really giving them the best reason to go other than this little dude in this metal area of everything, you know, nothing's happening. I was just saying, Hey, come with me. They finally decided to relent and kind of go with him and stuff. So he took them all the way up to this, this giant tower. And, uh, so they go inside and then it turns out there's a puzzle to go from this room into the next one. And so they solve the puzzle go into the next room and then the monodrone evolves into a duodrone. drone. And then he's able to speak in complete sentences because he's getting smarter. So then they keep kind of going through the different rooms. He keeps leveling up and you know, they're kind of getting more information from him. He's not able to expand a ton more into, you know, how the bard is, is, you know, not in balance and everything. So, um, by the way, the, the group was awesome. They were trying to figure out all these different things, trying to figure out what was going on, what imbalance meant, um, to the point where there's even a... Our a, a, a rogue has a hat of disguise, gave it to the bard. The bard put it on, attuned to it, and then transformed herself to look like one of the other party members who was in balance. And nope, didn't work, and it was great. So then finally, they get to the final room where Primus should be Primus isn't there. There are two pentadrones basically fighting each other because they both got the signal of, Hey, you're going to be the next Primus come to the tower and plug yourself in. Except because of however the programming was working they're fighting each other. And it's like total, like Dragon Ball Z, like they're like, they're punching each other like in mirrors. So they're blocking every single punch that's happening. So who knows how long this has been going on? I think I said something like three cycles, which who knows how long that actually is. Um, and then they each have one like quadrone, tri drone, duo drone, and monodrone with them, like just kind of backing them up. So uh, as as soon as the the rogue monodrone go- goes in there and turns into a pentadrone, he's like, I know what happened, and basically tells them the the signal must have gone out. It shut down the entire plane because Primus isn't here, and and so he's like, someone needs to go and go into that spot. So the idea was let's get our little buddy into the spot. He can become the new primus because they're worried that if another one went in there, they didn't know what imbalance meant. They didn't know if they was just going to kill the bard or not, or what was going on with that. So like, okay, well let's see how hard these guys hit you know what's going on. So the bard pulls out her bag of tricks, pulls out and gets a, a goat, like a giant goat sends the goat in to kind of attack. And by the time it gets there, all of the the drones attack it, and the thing is, is a monodrone it does one act, like one attack. Uh, Duo drone does two attacks. triodrone does three attacks. So you get up to a quad drone, four attacks, and you have two of each one. So all of them hit just tons and tons of times, and it's a giant goat, so it doesn't have a lot of hit points. So it just poof disappears. You know, it just, just is gone which I really should have done better explaining this because that put the fear of God into them thinking that these things were like insanely powerful, but it's like, no, you just sent a in and it got hit. Let's see. Eight plus another six. So 14, 20, uh, 22 times. So yeah, it's going to die. <laughs> but so finally I'm like, okay. Uh, I forget who I, I, I think it's the paladin. I'm like, give me an intelligence check. And she's like, that's oh, really bad, but rolled. And I'm like, You look at these things, you spend some time with uh, your your buddy here, and uh, you realize that um, their legs and arms are super spindly. They're probably really easy to take out. (laughs) So finally, like, okay, let's do this. So then they started attacking and doing stuff, and it was great. And um, it got to the point where, like, some amazing things were happening with this fight. So the two pentadrones were fighting each other a rogue put grease down underneath them so that they, on their turns, you know, they fall down and then they spend half their movement getting back up, but then it was difficult terrain. So they couldn't move anymore. And so they would just like get up and then fall down, like on their turns as they're trying to fight each other. One of them managed to stay up and then crit the other one. So he was almost dead, but they end up getting to the point where uh, they killed both of them. Their buddy, the, the their pentadrone got in, turned into primus pointed out what the imbalance was, which was our bard had a cursed item. And instead of it being a lucky rock, it was like an ill-fated rock or something like that, where instead of a plus one, every ability check and uh, a saving throw, I actually take a minus two off. And Oof. yeah. And she's been, ha- she's had this for a long time. And like I, we talked about, it, I told her this is a cursed item. You know, she's like, okay, cool. And, you know, it was all into it, but no one really kind of caught on. There were weren't a ton of times where like, you know, dragon fire would happen and someone would roll a 16 and pass, but she would roll a 16 and fail. And you know, so it, it wasn't well known. We weren't really getting a lot of fun out of it. So I'm like, let's, let's just get rid of this. And she's like, I agree. Let's let's take care of it. So primus found that out, destroyed it and I mean, there's a little bit of PVP going on as they tried to take the stone away from her because, you know, it's a cursed item. You don't want to get rid of it. That's kind of part of the curse. And it ended up working out really well. Everybody had a lot of fun, especially with the different puzzles and stuff. And then Primus went ahead and just opened up a portal and sent them to Isgard, which is where they were meant to go in the first place.
0: Then when they got there. That's a great way to get rid of a cursed item.
1: I thought so. It anyway, was it was a lot yeah. of fun. I was That's really solid. lucky that we ended up on Mechanis. <laughs> um, but then so they go through the portal, they're at Isgard. And then all of a sudden the bard hears her grandma's voice calling her by her Goliath name, which the group doesn't know or actually just found out about in that session actually. And then it ended up with my grandma's dead and we ended the session there.
0: Ooh. So unexpected, yeah.
1: So, yeah, so now they're where they meant to go, they're on Isgard. Um, and I am really looking forward to our next session because the whole point is is that this is where the bard's going to get her artifact. So, let's say, uh, that's gonna track a, down all the artifacts. Yep, it, it's some armor called the Mother's Embrace. Uh, it's basically created by a, a homebrew deity. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've got some cool stats for when this thing uh, levels up. So it's going to be great. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Tell you're excited.
1: Yeah. I, I had a lot of fun on Mechanus. I am glad I, you finally got to play. Yeah. I, I did uh, like five different puzzle rooms and they were pretty good and figured them out pretty fast. So I like, I've always said, I've got a really smart group and uh, one of the rooms was great. They, They use mage hand to push a button on a big machine in the middle of the room and it slammed the doors shut and they waited a little while and then the doors opened and the doors on the other side of the room were also open. So they solved the puzzle without actually being in the room. (laughs)
0: It's pretty great. That's, that's pretty cool. And and honestly, I think uh, this is really like, it's a great example of how to use story beats to kind of, fix things
1: definitely yeah it i mean yeah she had that cursed item when my sister joined she that's where she actually found it it was in the the treasure pile where (laughs) where the cleric found his artifact and he's had that for a while to the point where i i think it's it's exalted at this point so like he's had it for quite a while and and she had that that uh that cursed item for for a hot minute and yeah it just it just wasn't that fun like if it had been like a sentient thing or more cursed or something along those lines it, i think it, we could have done a lot more with it but as it stands it was just you it's know, just kind of
0: this is just bad
1: yeah it's like this is just kind of like a a sucky thing that's going on and i didn't want to punish her for just wanting to play the game and wanting to do something so so yeah it worked out What about you? I know that uh, you've been having a
0: lot of stuff going on. Oh man, so much stuff! Because I know we didn't get to get to talk about it. We had our our like big end of arc battle, um, a a uh, session or two ago. Now this would be a few weeks ago at this point, uh, where I had put together a very custom, (laughs) very custom encounter. with a really, really cool uh, boss that has been kind of lurking in the background of this whole arc for a while related to one of the player's characters. Um, just uh, this is a whole lot of really cool motivations. We finally got to that point. Uh, the whole session uh, was pretty much, I think it was probably close to four hours of just this this huge battle that went back and forth. There was a bunch of incredible moments. Uh, The party counterspelled her level eight spell, which was wild because that would have just changed the whole dynamic of things. She counterspelled a uh, cleric heal like the heal spell like the 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 70 HP. I believe it was or something like that. Yeah, the, the big one. So that was a big deal. Uh, this, the boss was built around uh, attrition in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was constantly like trying to drain their actual attributes. Oh, so their attributes were going down throughout the fight. Uh, but there was a mechanic of being able to trap her versus straight up kill her. Um so that's the mechanic that the they actually ended up going with, which was good because it was a very it was a very strong boss. And while they actually did better than I thought and got her lower than I I necessarily expected them to, uh, there would have definitely been some deaths. Yeah, <laughs> if they had tried to go for the full, we're just gonna gonna kill her. Um, so, but I gave. All the all the different options on the table. There were uh, some friendly layer action mechanics, which is something I love to do. Yeah, yeah, I love to do those in big, like big, like end of arc battles if they make thematic uh, and appropriate sense. Uh, So that's something super fun that the party can then roll. And I have a little table, and this one was a D four table of good things. That can happen to them because of an ally or because of something they did or they, you know, that, that sort of thing. Uh, so that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, ended up, no one died. Uh, there were a lot of downs. <laughs> there were a lot of downs. Uh, there are a lot of people who got fairly weak in certain uh, attributes by the, by the end of it, you know, nothing a long rest can't cure.
1: Yeah. No, along w- with when basically
0: you, every other debilitating thing that might happen to you.
1: When, when you did that, was it a, a,
0: a random thing or did she actually choose the attribute to pull from? She chose. Oh, oh she, well, and she had minions. She had minions that drain strength. Okay. Uh, these golems, that drain strength, but her thing she chose. So she was draining their primary attributes. Wow.
1: Oh, that's, that's a jerk. It was evil. It was (laughs) great.
0: It was super evil. Yeah. But it was, it was very fun. Uh, very, very cool how the battle turned out. Uh, got good feedback from it. Uh, I was, I was very happy. I'm actually going to be releasing, uh, the stat block for, uh, the big, bad, evil, uh, BBEG Big Bad Evil Grandma <laughs> in this case uh, I'm going to be releasing that uh, hopefully sometime next week uh, to kind of go along with this episode it was actually one that was uh, I had the concept and uh, some of the design stuff and it was actually made uh, by Hannah Rose who is currently doing um, uh editorial and design work for MCDM uh, back when it was like a, a charity thing basically. Um,
1: okay that that's really did cool. some design
0: work for yeah uh, donating to, to charities during a, during a time so I did I was like yeah, I'll totally do that. Uh, uh, it was specifically World Central Kitchen which I have to shout out because World Central Kitchen is awesome. And if you're looking for a charity to donate to, they are freaking amazing and give food to people in times of need and and disasters uh, and go straight to the source. So very, very cool charity. Uh, But she worked with me to design this uh, BBEG and I was incredibly satisfied with the results. Um, So I'm gonna be releasing the stat block to that uh, so that everyone can enjoy her slash DMS can use her to torment other people if they want to.
1: Very cool. I, so yeah, I might have to do that. We did.
0: Yeah. So we did that. And then uh, we actually had a little bit of a mini session tonight, right before recording. And we wrapped up, did a little arc epilogue, hit on some key moments, uh, the aftermath of the fight, the resurrection of our ranger rogues, dad that ended up being a super super cool rp moment between me and the uh cleric who did the the resurrection so that was really cool uh and then finally got them back to the material plane yay uh ending uh, ending there uh we're probably gonna have a downtime session uh because they got some money And they also found out that uh, because of Shadowfell plane hopping, timey wimey things, they lost six months,
1: roughly, give
0: or take a few weeks. (laughs) So that's a rough one. There should be some interesting ramifications uh, that come from that. But I'm excited. I'm excited to move into uh, this this next big big thing that has been kind of looming in some ways since the very beginning of the campaign.
1: Now, did they skip over tax season? That that's an important thing.
0: Yeah, they're probably overdue. (laughs) We have to file for a deadline extension. Good luck to them. Good luck.
1: No, that's a, that's a really cool, like end to that arc. I'm, I'm really happy about that. Very,
0: I, it has been a long arc for sure. Um, but especially this this ending, the last like three to four sessions. Mm-hmm. I've been incredibly happy with how they've turned out, the the design work that I've done for them and the uh play that the players have and RP and such that the players have put into it. Uh it is it has been really good. It's been really good. Good. All right. I think that is going to make an episode.
1: I think so, so too. As always,
0: before we leave, uh, Ben, why don't you tell everybody where we can be
1: reached? You bet. Um, You know, if you want to tell us some of your ideas uh, about uh, how to bring a new player character or uh, your thoughts and, and hopes and dreams for what's going to be in the new DMG, go ahead and send us an email. That email address is dndiscussions at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now, if you want to talk to us in some sort of short form that has, uh, say, maybe a limit of 280 characters, you can always reach out to us on Twitter for the time being. Uh, we are at DNDiscussions on Twitter. Ryan is at TBKZord and I am at Ben Bumhofer. Uh Now, if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, they talked about Plus 5 to Hit. What is that? Well, guess what? It is our actual play podcast. Uh, right now we're going through Rhyme of the Frost Maiden and having some fun with that. So I really recommend you check that out. Uh, Ryan and I are both in it. We actually play brother and sister, which is pretty fun. So that is a plus five to hit. You can find that on all your podcast player players of choice. Kind of like this show, d Discussions. That's right. At the beginning of the show, you heard us say episode 88. That means there are 87 other episodes out there that you can listen to. You can find them on Discussions.com as well as your podcast player of choice. I keep wanting to screw that up, but I'm going to say it anyway.
0: And words. Yes, words, words and are hard. Words are fun. Um,
1: but with that being said, uh, Ryan, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you again. Uh, everybody who's listening thank you very much for joining us on this episode it has been fun uh, i am very much excited to well you know what we didn't really talk, talk too much about it so i'm just gonna say it right here uh go see the dungeons and dragons honor among thieves movie because it is really good and uh, maybe we'll uh i don't know dive into it again at, at some point um you know just giving people time to see it but go see it it's great absolutely great. yeah
0: love it i've seen it twice now
1: me too <laughs> so good Yep. Ended up going with my party. Um, Sans, the one who is out of state, uh, the night before my birthday. So it was a nice little celebration. We had a lot of fun.
0: Very cool. Yeah, we will definitely definitely talk it over. Yes. that.
1: Um, That being said, again, everybody, thank you very much. And until next time, be good to each other.
0: Take care. We'll see you soon.